Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Man of God Ministries. It is great to have you on board once again. Thank you for taking your time to click on this podcast and listen to what I have to say, my opinions, and more importantly, what the scripture says. You know, that's a big problem I have in the world today is we are listening to people, but we are not fact-checking them, as in, does that scripture exist? Is he quoting scripture? Or is he paraphrasing scripture? Now, if I paraphrase, I usually tell someone that I'm paraphrasing, that because at that moment I couldn't quite remember the content or the word-by-word uh, word of that exact scripture. But normally, most often... There is a Bible with me at all times, and those of you who listen to me will know King James Bible is what I use. It is all I use, unless I'm doing comparison studies of other Bibles, um, I will talk about that. In fact, I just came upon one. I was very fortunate to come across a ni- um, 19, an 1885 uh, Bible, but that's a story for another video or a podcast or something like that. But we want to talk tonight about forgiving, forgiveness. In fact, there are 50 plus verses that have have that word in it, or some variation of it. Whether it be forgive, forgiveness, forgiveth, um, forgive. I'm trying to think of the other words I can use. Forgiven. I already said that. I'm already repeating myself. And the podcast just started. But I want to talk about forgiveness because it's 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 important. We talk about it. In, there's a lot of churches that talk about church buildings, and they almost throw it out like, "Yeah, you gotta forgive, gotta move on." You know, it's not that easy. It's not at all. So when pastors out there, um, quote unquote, some are just fake pastors. I don't mean because they don't have a degree. I mean that they really are not good pastors. They are not good. Reverends, they're not good priests. Well, they're not a lot of great priests, anyways. But my point is, you definitely do not need a degree to be a pastor. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a pastor. No man should call himself a pastor. That's just the way it is. But there are many who just kind of gloss over and give you some cookie-cutter answers, and and some have never even felt the pain of loss to forgive someone. Doesn't mean some of these guys are bad guys, good guys, bad guys, however you want to look at it. Some really don't care. They just give you some sort of answer they've already rehearsed uh, from either seminary or some Bible college or institute that they went to. Um, but those things cannot give you an answer in life. In fact, I've just told somebody that I may not have the perfect answer for you, but I'll have an answer. So that is, that is key. We need to be able to answer someone. It may not be the perfect answer. And if we trust in God, hopefully we trust with everything we got, He will give us the answer. Even if it doesn't make sense to us, it may make sense to the person you're talking to. Now before I get into the different scriptures, I personally have had loss. doesn't make me better than anyone else out there, but... I have had loss. So I understand when you have lost and you feel someone is to blame for it, some may blame God and some may blame themselves or some may blame someone else that they know 
Well, for me, it was someone I know. It was my family. So I blamed my family member for the death of another family member. And it is a difficult thing to do to get over that. I mean, I don't think you ever really get over the death itself, but trying to forgive the person, that is the toughest part of all. So, for me, I feel that I am qualified to talk about forgiving someone who's taken something away from you. For me, it was my mother. She was taken away from me. It is sad, yes. But to that person, I have forgiven, and I have moved on. I'm not saying that I did it overnight, that I, you know, she passed on Thursday, and then on Friday I was over it. It doesn't quite work that way, not at all. And for me, it didn't help because my whole life was falling apart at that time. And yes, I have been saved for a very long time. And I had gone off the track for a very long time. And we talked about having proper discipleship. I did not have that. I knew what I needed. I knew what I should have had. I just didn't know quite how to acquire it, to get to where I was supposed to be in my spiritual walk. And it took a while to get there. So my marriage had fallen apart at the same time that my mother, in my opinion at that time, was stolen from me. And again, by a family member, so we have to forgive. Now with that, I want to talk about another story. I came across a woman. I shouldn't say came across. It's not like I was walking down the street and came across her. I was talking with this woman. In fact, the woman who gave me this Bible. Now, I work in a, uh, I work uh, most of the week, or, well, four days a week, three, four days a week, um, at a donation center. And this woman had this Bible. Now, me, I'm a Bible collector, um, not so I can just admire them and look at them. I love looking at all the different Bibles to figure out the scriptures, to figure out where they change, how they're different. Um, I'm one who likes to see the evidence more than just listen to some guy talk. So that's why I tell people who are listening here or are listening to me just out on the street somewhere, you know, cross-reference me, I guess you can say. Check me. You know, what is the, what is the uh, uh, Twitter, because I don't have it anymore, um, verify blue check or something like that. Verify what I'm saying. Again, these words will only be from the King James Bible. When I read scripture by itself and alone in any sermon that I give, I'm quoting straight from the King James Bible. Now, if I'm doing, again, like I've said before, comparison of scriptures and, and, and this one against that one and New Living against Matthews or whatever it may be, then I will obviously tell you up front exactly what I'm reading from. So this woman talked about all these Bibles that she's clearing out, her grandmother, and maybe she's listening today, and, and if she is, I hope you are doing well. I hope things are getting better, and I pray for you. So she was there, and she was talking about a lot of this, these Bibles and religious stuff that uh, she had. A grandmother, she was given this estate, and uh, she was in charge of the estate of a grandmother, which she had a hard time doing because she always felt that her grandmother hated her. Um, I'm not going to say that her grandmother did or didn't. I will just say from her 
point of view, she felt that she was hated by this woman. Now, this woman was a Methodist, and she was strong in the religion. It was, you know, religion, 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 she would say. Just everything was about religion, and she was just so mean and nasty to her. And by the way, that's, believe it or not, not uncommon. That happens a lot in a lot of denominations. They're very, they're very, they can be very, very mean people. Now, there are some good people, nice, decent folk who are at different uh, denominations, but there's some mean and angry Baptists. There are mean and angry Catholics. There's a lot of mean and angry Catholics. There are mean Pentecostals, Methodists, Unitarians, and the list goes on. And it's and, it, and those are the folks that ruin what the scripture is all about, what Jesus is about, what God is about, what the Holy Spirit is about. They they ruin all that. They turn people away because that's the devil using them and infiltrating their lives. So she brought these Bibles and said she didn't want them. So she didn't know what to do with them. And I, I told her, I said, I, I would definitely take great care. Uh, she said she might uh, give it to a church. I said, if you, if you feel like giving it to a church somewhere, go for it. Uh, I'm not going to stop you. So she said, no, 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 no. I, you know, I'll probably bring it back here and... I'm like, oh, could that be, and I said, thank you, that'd be great, oh, wonderful. But she talked on and on about that, and we talked for maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Well, she came back the following day, and she brought these Bibles. One was a Catholic uh, Bible from 1906, I think. And another one was a Catholic manual from 1917, I think. And then this big... King James Revised New Testament, Old Testament thing from 1885. I'm still trying to figure this one out because I have actually never heard it. But this again, that's another side story of getting into where that came from and who printed it. And I was surprised. I'm like, oh, wow, you donated all these Bibles. And she says, well, I don't know that I believe in God anymore. I said, oh, okay. I mean, wow. I'm, you know, You know people go off the track a little bit in life. But I don't believe in God anymore. Because I don't understand why God has made things happen to me. I don't get it. People have turned on me my whole life. My grandmother hates me. My mother hates me. My kid hates me. My, my child hates me. My daughter. I was like, wow. I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I'm sorry to hear all of that. I mean, that's, that's sad and that's unfortunate. And Why do you feel that they hate you so much? And she went on to tell me, I'm not going to get into all the details, but and there's a lot of animosity in her heart and hatred, and why would this happen to me? And that, that again, is also not uncommon. That happens a lot. We go through these troubles and, and these struggles, and we just like, Lord, why do you make these things happen to me? I don't understand. Well, now she felt persecuted. She felt that these people have have wronged her. They've, they've consistently belittled her and just were mean to her and nasty. And, and here she is, the one in charge of the estate, which she never wanted. She wanted nothing to do with it. But she didn't have to not have anything to do with it. I told her we are given things sometimes that we don't think we can handle, but we can. 
and she talked about all these good things she did. Now, I did briefly, not really deeply talk about the works thing, but I didn't get deep because that wasn't the time for getting into anything like that about the works. But I told her what she's doing, whatever good that she is doing does not go unnoticed by God. It may seem as if it goes unnoticed by God, but it doesn't. And she talked about forgiving her grandma. She just can't do it. She's so angry with her. She's just angry at the world. and She hates God. She, she doesn't want to forgive him either. And me, I'm sitting there going, these are sad things. These are awfully sad. To be in a situation like that is awful. But again, it's not uncommon. In fact, the devil uses a lot of church buildings to do this to people. Look down upon people. Dress a certain way. Look a certain way. Walk a certain way. The only walk that matters is you and Jesus. Your walk with the Lord is the most important walk you're ever going to have. So, I was obviously I was saddened by this, and I listened, and we had to speak maybe 30, 35 minutes. It was definitely, it has to be at least an hour, an hour. And I felt overwhelmed. I felt, I'm looking for the right words, that God would choose me in that moment. You know, I, I don't want to feel like, I don't want to say I was blessed I don't know how to put it out there, but I talked about this before, that God will use you in the most unguarded moment with someone. Because someone always needs someone else. I did do a video talking about the gospel is sometimes just listening. Sometimes you don't have to do a lot of preaching. Sometimes you don't have to do a lot of banging them over the head with the Bible. I know sometimes it feels like you should be like, you, do you not understand? Come on. It's, this is so obvious. But, but she was hurting. And this was not the time for that. But I want to talk a couple of scriptures that talk about forgiving or forgiveness or forgive. I'm going to start with Exodus. And again, this is the King James Bible. So if you have it in front of you, and I hope you do, turn to Exodus. And if you have an app, use that for now. But at some point, well, if you're listening to me on a podcast, you're probably already on app. But if you have another, another laptop or something, I don't know. But follow along in the King James Bible if you have one. Exodus chapter 10, verse 17. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once. And entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. Let's follow that up with Exodus 32, verse 32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses will just would say, hey, you know what? Take me out. What a sacrifice there, huh? Forgive their sin. And blot me out of the book. Just blot me out. I'm good. I mean, he's not really good, but his whole point was he'd rather see them 
get forgiven. That's an amazing, amazing thing. But if you read the next verse in 33, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. I don't want to be blotted out. I do not want to be blotted out. I can tell you that right now. Let's move on to the next one at Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions, nor your sins. Turn to Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble thyselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. There's a pattern here. Give everything to God, no matter what the good things you've been doing for other people, which again will not go unnoticed by God. That will only be added on at the end when you have repented of your sins. The burden you feel now will be light as a feather as long as you give God everything. Even though it doesn't always feel that way. I Trust me, I know. Psalm 86, verse 5. For thou, Lord, art God, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. See, forgiveness again. The Lord is willing to forgive you for everything. His mercy is just right there. You now have to do that in your own life. And again, which is a hard place to get to. But find a support team that will help you through that. You might just only find that online, but find it anyways. Matthew. I'm going to jump, jumping right into the New Testament now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And most of you should recognize this. And we, and, and we say this, and we kind of just say it in passing. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, we say that in the prayer all the time. I say it with the kids when we do bedtime. We, we, we all hold hands and we say the prayer. And, and it's nice. But do we really understand it? Do we really follow through? Do we really forgive those who come against us? Are we willing to forgive those who owe us or perceive to owe us? Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So if you can forgive other people, even the loved ones in your life. He will forgive you for everything. 
and you repent and you come to him. It's not easy believing. It's like, hey, Lord, I forgave him. We cool? Oh, a little deeper than that, my friends. Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See? Right in that next verse. Why should the Lord forgive you if you can't even forgive others? You want the greatest of all time to forgive you, but you can't forgive your brother. Yes, you can be mad with your brother if you, with cause. Remember, the Bible says with cause, not without cause, Raka. Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have the scripture here, but it's in Matthew or Mark, and it talks about the same thing, but it talks about how the Pharisees, you know, he, he called them out on it. Do I have the scripture here? You know what, we'll just, maybe I'll get to it. Let's go by the scripture, because I have them by, listed by order, so we're going to go by order. Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, which we just read, I apologize. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And what did Jesus say? Jesus say, uh, saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Yikes, got to keep on forgiving. But if you get into the habit of forgiving, I'm not always saying forgetting, but forgiving, believe it or not, forgiveness becomes easier. I know that sounds like a strange thing, but it becomes easier. Not always perfect forgiveness, but it gets easier. Matthew 18, verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And I say their brothers. I don't want to add to scriptures, but I'm just going to say your sisters, your mothers, your fathers, your grandparents. It's important. Mark 2, this is the one I was looking for. Mark chapter 2, verse 10. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, but the Pharisees. Remember? So again, Mark backs that up. Let's go to Luke. Oh, Luke 5. Chapter uh, five, uh, Luke 5, verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? <laughs> but isn't it easier for them to just, Oh, you're, you're forgiven. 
much like the Catholic Church. Let's go to Luke 23, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they potted his raiment and cast lots. He was being crucified on the cross, and he was still wanting to give forgiveness to others. You couldn't be in a much worse position. But to the end, he says, forgive. But to the end, he says, forgive. Let's go to 1 John 1.19. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is absolutely amazing. Consistently and constantly is talking about forgiving. If Jesus can forgive, I have to ask, why can't you? Ephesians 1 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Amen, huh? That is Anytime you read the scriptures, it's always amazing second time around. Sometimes we forget some of the verses that are in there that are absolutely astonishingly amazing. I was looking for another one. I can't remember what it was, but that's okay. So, what do we do with this forgiveness? Do we get revenge? I know that might be a different, uh, kind of a whole different podcast, but often we have trouble forgiving. Often we wish things upon people. Often we think about, how can I get back at them? Maybe ignore them. Maybe spite them. All of these things. But what did Paul say? When those people are trespassing against you, and those people come against you, those people attack you. Paul says in Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith Steve. Nope. Saith Bob, nope. Saith the Lord. There is no vengeance. There is no wrath. There is no revenge. There is nothing you can possibly do to anyone on the face of this planet that will ever compare what is due them from God. Give what is due to Caesar and give God what is due God. Give Caesar's coins. Give God your life. Because that coin means nothing at the end of the day. But your life does. That's eternal. So, God, I guess in a simplistic way of saying, gets angry for you. There is nothing you can do. 
you need to walk away from a lot of situations. You need to forgive and move on. To, you know, it doesn't make sense to worry about the past because it is gone. There's nothing I can do about yesterday. There's nothing you can do about yesterday. There's not a thing that any one of us can do about yesterday because it's gone. And even this moment that we're in is gone. I think I was watching something a long time ago and they were saying, okay, now, oh, the moment's gone. Okay, now here in the future, oh, now it's gone again. See, the future comes so quickly that it becomes the past and we consider we get ourselves wrapped up in both instead of worrying, letting tomorrow take care of itself and worrying about all of that. Put your faith in God, give your life to God, give all of it unto Him, truly unto Him, not the bumper sticker you can throw on the back of your car, but actually give it all. It is a very difficult thing to do, I understand, but once you do it, and you do it often, it does get easier. What doesn't get easier, and what doesn't let up is persecution. That is only going to get more, and more, and more, and harder. It's just, that's just a way. The Lord tells you you're going to be persecuted. In fact, when I look at all the other religions and things like that, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, the five elements, the four elements, and the New Ageism and all of that stuff, the Catholicism and blah, 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 the Joel Olstein, the Rick Warrens, all of it, they tell you that now is a good time. No, now is your worst time on the face of the planet. The only one... Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, only one promises you to be persecuted. You've got to be crazy to go with that. Why not go with the guy who says, no, 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 no. God wants you to have all this money. God wants you to have this. Well, I believe you, you find your inner self and you can become your own God. You're in control of your own destiny. Hogwash. That's a bunch of nonsense. That's a bunch of nonsense spewed by people who can't get a grip or a handle on their own life. So therefore, they can't understand how to give unto God. They don't know how to let go of things. Therefore, they create, well, I don't have to let go. I have to own it, mold it, control it. It's mine, and I can make it. I'm a superhero. Did I say superhero? I did say superhero. Because what are these Marvel comics? What are they? What is the Iron Man, the Captain America, the the uh, the Black Widow, the Superman? Did I ever say Superman? The Batman's, the the uh, Flashes. Uh, um, well, you, you, those who follow Marvel, you know who I'm talking about. They control their own destiny. They need no one but themselves. Which man, that's a lie and a sin in itself, and they're going to hell. If they were real, of course, but they're not. But that belief is still there in some people. They're like, I am my own superhero. No, idiot. You're not. That's a lie that you've been told for so long because you're unwilling to let go. The more you keep on thinking you have control, the more miserable you will be. And some will tell me, oh, right now my life is great. It can change in an instant. In fact, I was just watching that movie the other night, uh, God's, uh, God's Not Dead. What a great line in that movie. I don't know who wrote it. Uh, it. It was a good line. and 
I don't know if I'll remember the uh, word by word, but he was talking about he has everything and he's doing great and she's got nothing and she believed in God. And a great point, I've made this point before and I was just watching this movie. She had said that basically you're already in a cell, you just don't know it. You're in a cell, the door's wide open. You can leave anytime you want, but why would you? Because you got everything. It's so beautiful. But then the door closes. And even then, you're still like, eh, look at everything I need in here anyways. And the devil takes that away. And then you look around, you have nothing in your cell. You can't get out. Yeah, no. But those who turn to God, those who are saved, truly saved, those that will be in the millennial kingdom, those people will see their rewards. And with that sentence, I will say, stop trying to get saved because you're not saved if you're trying for those rewards. doesn't work that way either. My cousin's fiancé or wife at that time, I don't remember if they were married yet. They're divorced now. She was very much into the whole new age, mind's eye, Reiki, all that kind of thing. So she says to me one day, we're up on the, uh, oh, we were, I was at their house, but she was up on the uh, Mass Turnpike. Back in those days, you paid money to go through the turnpike. So if you're from Massachusetts or even dro- driven from Mass- through Massachusetts, you know you got to go through the Mass Pike and you got to pay. Well, now you get your license plate scanned from uh, Big Brother. But So she says to me, Stephen, you, you'll be proud of me. You know what I did? I'm like, what did you do? I, I paid for the three cars behind me. I'm like, well, that's wonderful. That's really nice. But I'm, at the same time, thinking to myself, she shouldn't even be telling me that. You should never be telling anybody the good deeds you do. It just doesn't work that. That's between you and God. Well, if you're married, it's between you, God, and your wife. Let's be honest. Your wife knows. Or your husband. But your wife knows. But, and I said, okay. And she goes, now, and this is the best part. She says, now, something good will happen to me. See? And there's the problem. The Fake unselfishness is really just a selfishness at the end of the day. I'm so selfless. I'm always giving to others. That statement alone tells me how selfish you are because you need that praise. That's a terrible thing. You take a good deed, you throw it out the window, make it a bad deed all in one shot. Well done. So with forgiveness... I want to conclude tonight because I will ramble on those who know me my wife would say talk, talk, talk but for forgiveness it's not ever going to be an easy road it just isn't for anybody but we need to it doesn't mean you have to forgive a person and then be their best friend tomorrow that's not what that means you may forgive a person and never talk to them again. But the important thing is you forgive them truly from their heart. And I know that's going to be difficult for most people. Been down that road. What's those, uh, the catchphrase there from years ago? Been there, done that? So believe me, forgiveness is tough. But what does the Bible say? It says to forgive. Well, the Lord, the Father cannot forgive you. 
don't about you, but I, uh, I would like some forgiving. And think about that from your perspective. Have you done something to somebody you didn't even realize you did? You may have offended someone. No, not the type that offends in the cancel culture of today. I mean, actually offended somebody that took something the wrong way. Well, you offended them. Wouldn't you want them to forgive you? But say you even know that you've, you made a mistake, and you go to them and say, I'm sorry. And they tell you, I can't forgive you. I bet you that's going to hurt a little bit. With that, I said thank you. I appreciate you taking your time, as always, to click on the button of this podcast, to listen to this podcast. And you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Rumble. I, I do quick little shots on the YouTube. Um, those are usually short little videos. Rumble is sometimes a little bit longer. But any, I, I appreciate it. And this is a part that uh, I, yeah, I'm gonna, this is probably the last video, uh, podcast I say anything. I'll try not to anymore. But if you feel like this has been helpful in any way, and you, you know, another thing, I do have an email, so you can always email. If you click on this podcast, you'll see the email. But if you feel this is helpful, we do accept donations, but what we don't do is buy things for ourselves here with the any of the reference material or a computer or a camera. We don't buy any of that with that. What we do with that money is strictly buy as many King James Bibles as we can, as many gospel tracts as we can. And that's where your donations go to. It doesn't pay my bills here at home. The Lord says you must work with your own hands. And that's where I'm at. I think that's important. So if you find it in your heart and that God has blessed you to do so, thank you. If not, keep on listening anyways. If anything, go buy a King James Bible and hand it to somebody. I don't need to be the only one. We all need to be out there. You don't always have to be street preaching in a megaphone. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing. I'm just saying you don't need to always be doing that. You can just be handing out Bibles, handing out gospel tracts, putting them in the laundry department. The laundry department, laundromat in your area. Well, you know, wherever you're allowed to put anything out. Personally, me, I kind of sneak them in place like Dollar Tree or something like that. I'll just kind of put gospel tracts randomly throughout the place. If I hand out a thousand gospel tracts and one lands in somebody's hand and, and it's helpful and changes their life, I'm satisfied. It's not about the number that you get. So now I'll finally end this uh, podcast and say thank you. God bless. Good night.